Hello there, listeners. Welcome to A Year Ago Today. Once again, your friendly neighborhood sound engineer, Alex, here with a glimpse at this week's episode. During this one, our delightful host, Tyla, has a conversation with Sharanda Smith. Sharanda is a New York City-based social worker and general badass who has become even stronger over the recent years. Three years ago today, Sharanda received the news that her father had passed away after nearly a year of failing health. Tyla and Sharanda talk about pulling yourself out of that grief and growing from it. But they don't stop there. They shift at times into the grief we may sometimes feel just observing the world around us. So this one can be a little heavier at times, but don't let yourself be weighed down. If you enjoy this or any of our other episodes, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and share us with your friends. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Year Ago Podcast. If you or someone you love has an anniversary approaching that you would like to share, you're welcome to email us to reflect with Tyla at a year ago podcast at gmail.com. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Everybody, I'm your host, Tyla Fowler, and I'm coming to you right now from my apartment in Brooklyn, which you all know already has a lot of background noise. Welcome, New York City, and also welcome to my guest, Sharanda. Hi, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sharanda and I just met not that long ago. Was like, last week? Yeah, maybe like a week ago. Yeah. Yes. Um, we met because we both are part of the Baldwin Scholars Program at Duke University, which is an incredible program that you can go Google if you want to learn more about. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're going to jump right into this conversation. Sharanda? Yes. Will you please tell the people a little bit about your name, because mm-hmm. it's fabulous, Okay, and you. also um, how you identify in this world, mm-hmm. and who you are, Okay, just so they can like get a little mental something to hold on to. Right. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Sharanda Smith. So my first name is derived from my parents, Cheryl and Randy, Sharanda. Um, <laughs> my mom was deeply in love <laughs> when she made that name. Um, and it's sort of stuck. Uh, so here I am. Uh, I am from Athens, Georgia, by way of Stanford, Connecticut. Um, I'm a social worker. I am a black woman. Um, and I'm a Pisces. Ooh. I think that is a good, <laughs> yeah. good descriptor. I'm glad you put that one in yeah. there. Um, I didn't think to ask you, but that's so yeah. good. It's really spot on for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always daydreaming, sleeping, like, <laughs> yeah, um, empathetic, sensitive, all those things. Um, yeah, they most Pisces description really fall in line with me. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh, I also identify as a plus-size woman, um, which is becoming more and more interesting to Mm -hmm. own it Mm -hmm. in today's society. Yeah, Yeah. I can imagine that's a whole 
we can have a whole podcast episode about that. Absolutely. Which we should do it. Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And how long have you lived in New York? Um, Coming up on three years. Three years I've been here. Yay! So I graduated from Duke in 2009, and Sharanda graduated in 2015? Yes. Okay. Yep. Oh, she's a baby! (laughs) (sighs) No, she's a very grown woman. Right. I don't want to infantilize you. The IRS (laughs) thinks so. so. (laughs) Oh, boy. Right. Okay. (laughs) I went and had such a long conversation with my friend yesterday about, like, where our tax money goes, Mm -hmm. and it was just like, we just need to all boycott taxes. It would be wonderful. Let's put that money towards any number of things. So many things. Give it to Planned Parenthood. Yep. Give it to Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Give it to... Any anybody but the U.S. government, <laughs> <laughs> students in debt. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Ah, oh, okay. All right. So now we're gonna really start. Okay. Okay. So Sharon, I'm gonna invite you to. Whoa! Don't fall out of your chair. Okay. Like I I won't. <laughs> I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes now. Okay. And just start taking a few. Long, slow, deep breaths. And feeling into what we're here to talk about today, which I know is a big and tender topic. And just allow any feeling that's present in your body to be there. We have plenty of space for it. And when you're feeling really present, I'd love for you to share with me in one word how you're feeling. Anxious. And now, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to finish the following sentence. Three years ago today, I received the news that my father had passed away. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Ooh, that was tougher than I thought. <laughs> it's okay to cry. Yeah. <laughs> Deep breathing is it's peaceful, but it's also like hard because you become present. Yeah. Um, in it. Yeah. 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 I think so many of us walk around in our head all the time and mm-hmm. resist being in our bodies. Absolutely. Because of all that feeling. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for agreeing to talk with me. Yes. And thank you for pushing through to get here. Because I know you had a little resistance come up today. Yeah. 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 Thank you for offering the space um, and for inviting anyone into the space. I think it's amazing, um, reflective, and freeing. We just started. You I don't know. Even know yet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, 
Anxious. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the anxiety that's present for you. Well, um, speaking of living in your head all the time, I, I think today um, has been most difficult for the past three years. I mean, aside for obvious reasons, it's because it makes it real. Um, I, yeah, so I got the news three years ago today. Um, but my dad had been sick for about 10 months or so. So it was almost very weird because there was this peace because I had been waiting for that call mm, yeah. for a while. Um, and I remember the tents just being tense all the time. Um, I sleep with a night guard, <laughs> thanks to Duke, because I stress in my sleep. Um, but that's the Duke difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I broke two mm. night guards. Um, and I was just very stressed out. I gained um, about 80 pounds my senior year. Um, when did it, you get sick? Your senior year? Yeah, my so senior year. Three years ago, Mm -hmm. Puts us with you at school. At school. In your senior year? Well, three years ago this month, um, I would have just been a new graduate. Yeah. So four years ago um, would have put me at the start of my senior year. So August 2014, that's when he, about around the time that he got sick. And what was his diagnosis? So he had uh, pulmonary hypertension. Mm -hmm. Um, he was 52, he had survived two heart attacks, he was in the military, um, you know, he had lost a lot of weight, he was working on his heart health, a lot of things, he had changed his lifestyle a lot, um, but he went off for training for the military, and the story goes, and I say the story goes because we don't have clarity about what happened exactly, um, but there were some, he was, got exposed to some spores mm. and from there he started retaining water and then they thought it was his heart. Well, first they thought it was pneumonia. Then they thought it was the flu. Then they thought it was his heart. And then they thought it was this, then he thought it was that. It wasn't until the end that they finally placed it to be pulmonary hypertension. Um, so he was kind of generally unwell. Yes. Unidentifiable yeah. cause. Maybe some yeah. exposure to something weird. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a whole other... Yeah. Coming back to where the anxiety is coming from. Mm -hmm. um, that day, three years ago, I got some peace. Because it was, it was like it was over. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, could, I could change my prayers now. Mm -hmm. um, but since then... This day has invoked this anxiety in me because it's a day I can't not experience unless I'm like on a flight to Australia and like skip the day like <laughs> with the crazy time change. Like yeah. Maybe that's like, a this plan. This day just doesn't it, exist. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, maybe that would be my plan for next year. No, I'm kidding. Um, maybe that should be your plan maybe for next it should year. Be. Yeah. Like, just skip it. Um, but it's. Yeah, so that's where the... And then talking about it, too. Mm -hmm. um, I never formally went to grief counseling. I never saw a therapist. It's not something that I'm bragging about. Oh, I'm so strong because I did this. 
thing. I was a psych major <laughs> at Duke um, and I'm a social worker and I know I tell people all the time you need to go to therapy. <laughs> you mm-hmm. need to see. Um, but I had a phenomenal counselor therapist experience therapy experience at Duke. Um, and then I can't, I moved to New York three years ago, um, to attend Columbia and uh, go to social work school there. Um, and Columbia, I just did not have a good counseling experience there. Um, undergrad is different than grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just never sought out professional help. Um, I threw myself into my studies. Um, I threw myself into the brunch culture <laughs> of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of mimosas, lots of wine bottles, lots of food. Yeah. Um, which is where the 80 to 100 pounds weight gain um, comes in in a very short amount of time, too. Um, so that's where the anxious feeling, just talking about it sometimes is... Mm-hmm. Like, it actually happened. You can't hide from it. And ready go yeah <laughs> and I don't know how I'm gonna react mm-hmm. um and I, I said I'm a Pisces but I don't like crying because mm. it's very emotional <laughs> I'm just always emotional and sensitive and just mm-hmm. uh glittery feeling I don't know how to explain it but yeah well I'm a cancer so um, I cry every day it's <laughs> yeah I'm glad we can understand yeah yeah, yeah. Um. So you graduated, mm-hmm. and then you got this news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were already living in New York. Yes or no? I, I was still at home. Mm-hmm. I was, so I had already, I was planning on moving to New York mm-hmm. um, the next month, mm. and I still did. <laughs> um, I had already accepted my acceptance to Columbia. I had already made these plans, um, and then we got the news. And we had, you know, he was sick for a long time. And one time we thought he was going to get better and pull through. But around my graduation from Duke, actually, that was the last time that I saw him out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that might be the last picture that we took together. Um, But we, there came, in the summer, it sort of, we sort of did um, so like I said, I was just sort of waiting on that news, which seems very cynical or weird. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's normal. Yeah. You have a, someone who you love whose health is declining. I think a lot of people probably know what it's yeah. like to wait for that phone call. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so his funeral was August 1st and August 31st I was at Columbia's orientation (laughs) Uh, it was a whirlwind to say the least Um, I I don't I can't even describe the what haunts me is not so much you know the memories and I feel sadness I think what haunts me and what brings me back to a place of sadness I remember hearing my own screams on the phone when I got the call. And that brings me back to a place like I had never... Because now I felt that feeling before that he's not coming back. He's gone. I felt that before. 
until that moment, until I got that call three years ago, I had never felt that feeling for real. And so um, going back to that feeling is what really brings me, that really breaks me down. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it was healthy to go straight to school. Um, I probably would have done better academically. Uh, I mean, I passed. I'm employed, thank God. But um, <laughs> thank God, <I'm> right? <laughs> My thesis was passed. You know, we're all. You know, it was highly productive. Not sure if it was the healthiest thing, but um, sort of my my journey. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, who knows what's healthy? Right. Right. <laughs> but I feel like it's really probably a blessing that you had something to put yourself mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. you know because it's like uh, I think in those big shock moments of grief it can be really hard if you don't have anything to anchor to mm-hmm. you know yeah especially because you had just like a, such a big transition I mean right. like that's two huge transitions yes. right on top of one another yes yeah leaving Duke was very traumatic I don't think we talk about and I don't use traumatic lightly mm-hmm. um, as someone in like mental health I don't use traumatic lightly but I think a lot of things can be traumatic yeah. we make a home for four years you have your friends across the hall you are sort of engulfed and enveloped into this culture um, and then you know the graduation ceremony is over at 10 a.m. and by 12 p.m. you got to be off of Central Campus and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, and that's it. Whoa, what just happened? <laughs> that's it. Oh my goodness. And you're driving away and you're like, crap, like I'm not coming. Like I'm an alum. They've kicked me out. This is done. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very strenuous. Um, I moved back home over the summer, you know, had a part-time job um, because I already knew I was going to move to New York later that summer. Um, but that was an adjustment to make. Um, so dealing with those feelings and then the anxiety of you hear about New York, you watch TV, you think it's one thing, and then you get here and it's like, oh, there are residential areas. It's not all like fast-paced, mm-hmm. you know, there's normal people. I don't know whatever normal is. Yeah. Uh, I have new normals now. <laughs> Being a New Yorker for three years, my normal say, is different. I think most people in the country, like, their idea of normal versus, like, the idea of those yes. of us who live in New York, right. what normal is, right. it's just, like, not even, Very it's two different, different worlds. Very different. <laughs> Every um, time I travel, I'm like, oh, this is so interesting out right, here in right. the world, outside of my New York bubble. It's like, there's no entertainment in the street, or are we, like, <laughs> so we just have to walk, there's nothing else to do. Yeah, um, yeah but... There was so, summer of 2015 was just a lot of just transitioning. A lot of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And it was good to be in a new place. I lived by myself my first year of grad school. Um, Some folks were like, you sure you don't want to have company? And I was like, I'm in a space where brushing my teeth is an accomplishment for the day oh i feel you so i don't need to have to speak to anybody every single day um and being from the south speaking in in general acknowledging someone's presence is very much a sign of respect so i would never not speak to someone um that's 
where I come from, that's like slapping someone in the face. Like you might as well spit in their grits. <laughs> um, if you don't say good morning or acknowledge their existence in their grits, spit in their grits. Oh my god. So I, I knew what I needed. It was very different. Um, I had cut my hair. I had started. Yeah, I started living. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I started living. Did you feel that? Yeah. Wow. Started living. That was some big energy. Yeah. I felt that in my whole body. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I was away from labels and people who knew me before. Yeah. Um, which helped me grow, which helped me figure out things um, on my own. I am am was am a licensed minister in the baptist church mm. um i used to carry my bible around duke's camp i was very much so um problematic on campus <laughs> um, just because of the views that i i, I was very close-minded on things mm. on sexual identities and what's right what's wrong and just how to comfort people and um i really feel i think about those things a lot like the things I've said that probably hurt people, but mm. I thought it was coming from a place of authority because um, that's how I was raised, and that's no excuse. I just like to give myself some context so I'm not like trying to write four page letters to people who probably don't even remember things that I've said, or maybe they do. I don't know. Mm. See the Pisces coming out mm -hmm. and thinking about things. Mm -hmm. um, I really feel bad, and I, I want to tell people I'm sorry for some of the things that I've said that or for the things that I've said that hurt them because um, it hurts me now to, to know like I didn't agree with someone's sexual identity like that's just hurtful mm -hmm. and unnecessary and nobody asked me if I could <laughs> tell you the number of times that I have said like hurtful unnecessary things that yeah. nobody asked for my opinion <laughs> you know yeah a, a lot of times yeah so I don't think you're alone in that yeah and I also understand that impulse to want to fix it right yeah yeah I'm wondering about your relationship with your with your parents mm -hmm. with your dad mm -hmm. um, and with religion mm -hmm. and coming up all of this feels like that's I know it's not like a clear like yeah here's the question for you but right. I would love to contextualize for us mm -hmm. and for the people listening yeah. um the role that your upbringing and your parenting yeah. and your parents yeah played in your life yeah and the magnitude of that mm -hmm. Well, my parents were divorced. Oh, really? My parents were, they got divorced when I was six months old. So yeah. Um, but my earliest memories, that's how things always were. Um, so in many ways, it was beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, I also have an older brother. So he was four when they got divorced. Um, and they obviously loved and adored me. Uh, I'm the baby. Um, like, how could they not look at you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm the baby. I have younger sibling syndrome. Because um, why is it not all about me? I don't understand. Um, they, I, I love my parents 
because of the way they nurtured all of my dreams and imagination. I said I wanted to be a chemist. My mom got me a chemistry set. I said I wanted to have my own hair care product line. My mom let me use some good lemons and some good like actual <laughs> like groceries and mix them and do mm -hmm. things and it didn't turn out and I'm a social worker now but it's okay um, <laughs> they they nurtured me my I my name um, means so much because I see myself in both of them uh, my mom has her PhD. She's a college professor. She's a researcher through and through. Mm. What does she teach? She teaches teachers how to teach. Oh my god! Lots of teaching. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, um, that's she's so important. So important, and like she can go on and on about like her research and everything like that. She's investigative. She's so smart and intelligent. She's also very shy mm. and reserved. My dad didn't know a stranger. He would talk to anybody, walk up to anybody, um, bring the humor into any roll with the punches, get it done. If it's not exactly how, you know, that's fine. It's okay. Keep it moving. Let's do this. Let's do that adventure. Mm -hmm. um, and so I see a lot of myself in, in both of them, which is so important, which is why my name means so much to me personally. Um, with religion, my mom, I wouldn't say I was like the typical went to church every single Sunday or um, grew up that way. We went to church. We had our foundation in church. Um, but it wasn't to a point where I got sick of church, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, that comes later in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I taught, my parents taught me through their actions about loving other people. I've seen my dad give the shirt off his back to other people. Um, he taught us if you have it, then give it. Mm. Um, I've seen my mom take care of people, bring in people, want to give, you know, any child who doesn't have a book, watch out. Because she will find She's gonna you get a, a book in book. their hands. She will give them a book, um, a workbook, and ask you questions about it. Like, you know, prepare yourselves. Um, so I think a lot of the religious bases is that's what I've learned. I've had conversations with my mother, you know, throughout my 20s. I'm halfway through my 20s. Um, and talking about sex and feel like I just switched, switched the, flipped the script right there but um that's great um relationships love my parents were 22 when they got married mm. and I looked Babies. back and I was just like y'all were very wild for that but my mom she was like it was the 80s you know it, people got their college degree got a job they got married Long distance was a FaceTime wasn't a thing. There were no text messages. Can you imagine? Oh, I don't know how it <laughs> Talking on the phone? Whoa. Whoa. How <laughs> did they like do ordering it? pizza by talking on the phone? Like, um, so marriage was the option. They were too young. Yeah. Um, so having those conversations with her now has been very um, validating for me. Um, and... I, we also have conversations about sex and women's rights and how religion 
plays a role to oppress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a Baldwin and I got some few, you know, women's studies courses yeah. under my belt. And I'm just like, Mom, that's wrong. You can't do that. Bop, 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 bop. And that played a part in my, I'm going to bring it full circle, this me learning to live after my dad passed away. Um, I, some people would say I turned my back on God. Mm-hmm. I would say I faced God for the first time. Wow. It all of the things that my parents taught me, all of the things that I had learned, I had done, even being a minister, I started to question as I got more education, like in like book sense, but also education and understanding in what it means to have lost someone so close like your dad. And I turned to spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, I turned to having a bigger picture of who God is. Um, not so narrow and that's where the conversations about sex and relationships and love come in with my mom and and then other people as well Um, I started calling God using female feminine pronouns I love that it it was very freeing to to think of God as a woman Um, it was helpful in my growth. It was helpful in my healing process. It is helpful in my healing process. Um, when the pronouns that you use match what you call God, whether you want to say they or whoever, um, I like to call God, God. <laughs> I have to believe it's not a man. Okay. <laughs> I say goddess sometimes. Yes. It sounds a little funny in some contexts, yeah. but in some contexts it really works. It's... And it feels, like, saucy. Yes, it feels so good. Um, I started looking more into horoscopes and astronomy. Um, More so of astrology, not astronomy. Um, Looking to the stars and the moons and things. Just broadening your... Yes, absolutely. Broadening the scope of relevant information. Yes. Yes. Getting out of the dogma. Yeah. I feel like grief... um, I think for a lot of people, grief can be something that shakes loose your dogma Mm -hmm. because it's so rattling. Right. Right. Yeah. Shook me. How were those first few months here? Living Um, alone? Yeah. Was that the first time you lived alone? That was the first time I lived alone. New York apartment, Harlem, by myself, decorated how I wanted. Um, I had... A blast. Really? I, no, there were days where, in in social work school, you have a field placement, and um, on the two days that, on the three days that you don't have class during the week, you're supposed to be at that internship or field work um, placement, you know, doing social worker things. Um, I was blessed to have really good supervisors, and I said, hey, when I say I can't come in today, I that's me that I, I can't get out of bed today. I'm not just, you know, perusing and, and trying to take the city in. I'm really like struggling. Um, and they honored that. Mm-hmm. And some days like how I did today I pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, pushed past it. There was many days of 
crying myself to sleep, um, waking up crying. Um, but grad school, I met lifelong friends who I consider to be family. Mm -hmm. um, we had wine nights. My apartment was called Moscato Manor. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, so I, ha I had truly an awakening experience and I needed it so badly. So badly I needed it. I was away from any label, anybody who knew me at Duke, before Duke, mm -hmm. you know, right after Duke. Um, my new friends, they had never seen me with long hair. They didn't know, they only knew my dad and the memories that I shared with them. Mm -hmm. um, it, I really got to become my own person, um, which is very radical. Yeah, yeah. It was those first. It was tough, and I think that what made it so tough is because I was coming into myself at the same time. Yeah. Under these very sorrowful circumstances. Well, and it's so fascinating because you would have been doing that anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Like graduating college mm -hmm. is trauma enough on its own. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I had a similar experience where I graduated and I was like, I feel like the rug had been pulled out from under me. It was yes. just like, now I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that, to be dealing with this huge grief. Right. <sighs> Did you tell people? Well, I mean, I've only known you for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you seem very open and... Yeah. Did you feel that you were immediately able to be open with people or was your grief something that you kept to yourself for a while? I, my person at school, I remember I didn't tell people until like the middle of semester. A lot of people, I was focused on making friends. I was focused on like um, just adjusting. It was something that I kept hidden um, until I couldn't keep it hidden anymore. Um, the random sadness um, posts on Facebook and people would they're like, what? <laughs> um, because my personality was just not, I don't know if it was putting on a mask or just really trying to come into my own where I, people just didn't know that about me right off the bat. Um, I do remember one class, the professor, one of my favorite professors, um, this is very social worky. <laughs> People think we just sip green tea and like are just so like in love with each other <laughs> because, <laughs> because we do decent human things, such as this one activity. Um, the professor, you know, state your name, you know, maybe what your, you know, your concentration at school is, and then also one thing that people don't know about you offhand. Mm. You know, well, it could be something that you're, like, you're taking a French class. You're taking, you know, you're going through this thing, something that's difficult, something that, that you do that other people don't know. And so I used, that was the spring semester, so that was, like, January 2016. Mm -hmm. And so I used that opportunity to say, I, you know, I had lost my dad in, at the end of July. And I said, and sometimes it's hard. And people were sort of a little shook because it was, it had just happened. Um, and then, like I said, most people didn't know unless you were, like, actually my friend. Um, so, like, my classmates who knew me in class, they just had no idea. 
So that was very freeing. Um, the professor, you know, offered condolences, but it was also good for me to. So when I my work wasn't as good, or um, or I wasn't participating as much, or whatever it was, there's context. I like giving things and people context. Yeah, um, it's important. It's so important, and it helps frame situations and things um, so much. There in in all of the growth, the transformation, the grief, there was a deep darkness too. There was sadness. There was I didn't understand my purpose. I didn't understand life. I didn't there was a lot of dark along with the light. Mm -hmm. Too and I think that's important to share too. Some days I I, I wanted it to be over mm -hmm. um, I just couldn't feel like I, I couldn't take anything else um, I was very fragile in many ways very resilient but also very fragile in many ways yeah what's so incredible to me is that the way you're describing it it's almost like these two different parallel experiences like on the one hand you're like it was great it was a blast uh -huh. I was coming into my own I was yeah. learning to live and then on the other hand there's that fragility and yeah. that um, tenderness and it's almost like well I've been thinking a lot lately about how the world that we live in and the society that we live in doesn't hold space for grief mm -hmm. or transformational experience in general because I think grief is a transformational experience absolutely so I think that it's so much more common than we know that, and I'm sure you see this in social work, that people are kind of operating on this like dual plane where it's like they've got their sirens ring true, what I'm saying is true. Right. <laughs> Every time that happens on the show, I'm like, I forget who told us that originally, but um, anyway, that there's like the thing that you see of people, but that you can really never know what's going on in their inner emotional life mm -hmm. until they offer it up. Right. If there's opportunity for that ever, you know? Right. Like, how beautiful that you had a space that someone was holding for you to be able to bring that information to light right. in, in a larger context, whereas, like, so many people going through tremendous grief yeah. don't ever have opportunity to, like, bring that part of themselves mm -hmm. to their workplace mm -hmm. or to the relationships that they have with friends. Because even, I mean, my father passed away mm. four and a half years ago. Thank you. Um, and I just really... People don't know how to talk about grief. People don't know what to say. They don't know if they should talk about it or not talk about uh -huh. it, if they should touch you or not touch you, yeah. if they should ask you questions or leave you the fuck alone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because I have often felt, and you can tell me if this resonates, that for the person who's grieving, it can be challenging because in a society where we don't know how to handle grief, if you try to share your grief with someone and that person is not capable of holding space, then a lot of times you end up emotionally you end up having to do emotional labor for that person because they can't handle your grief or yeah. their feelings about your grief right. or their own grief, which they haven't looked at, which yeah. is like, and then it turns into this crazy, um, we don't talk about our grief in public because it makes people uncomfortable mm -hmm. and then we have to deal with them. Mm -hmm. 
So absolutely, it's interesting that you had this kind of dual thread of experience and the face. I'm imagining like the face that you put on, mm-hmm. and also what was happening so deep under the surface, right. which I'm like goes back to that Pisces watery. Yes, like yes, oh, absolutely. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, grief um, is very hard to talk about. Um, even as a social worker, I just remember the things that people said to me and the things, how they acted towards me. And I knew what I wanted and what I needed and I didn't get it. And so I'm very sensitive to, I didn't get it all the time from the people that I like sort of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very sensitive when people share that they've lost someone. Um, you know, paying so much for social work school, I've learned there's phrases to say, that's a lot. I'm here if you need me. I want to be a space of comfort for you, mm-hmm. but not put it all on them to reach out. Yeah. Because. Not just like call if you need somebody to talk right, to, which exactly. is not helpful, really. No, I Check in. <laughs> hey, checking in. You're on my mind. Thinking about you. You're great. Um, it, I really was resentful of like people calling me on my birthday. Oh, your dad would be so proud. Like. Mm. it's my birth like I know he has something to do with me being born like I get that part the miracle of life and all that but it's my birth like it was just weird there's very father's day I was getting calls I had to put something on social media I said like don't talk to me before um, father's day said hey keep me in your prayers you don't have to reach out it's okay it's okay if you're thinking about me you don't have to reach out because I did not want to spend the day reading paragraphs of folks condolences and sorries and their memories of my dad and how much they miss him I'm like you weren't even like he did all that for you and I'm his daughter so just think about that yeah <laughs> think how you're feeling now right, exactly take that times seven million right exactly and it might begin to touch how right. I feel exactly yeah so that but then I also have to recognize they're they're grieving him too yeah um, and it, trying to support you. Yes. The best they know how. Yes. That first year, was, I was very cynical of people and very just fed up. Um, I think my catchphrase or a saying that I like to use is that funerals and weddings bring out the best and worst out of people. Um, like in terms of your family, it's very strange. People act up at funerals and at weddings. Yeah. Don't know what it is. Well, emotions are high. Super high, and people are like in the room, and like there's bodies, like it's just very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to skip the whole thing, but mm. people won't let you do what you want to do. <laughs> you wanted to skip the funeral, I wanted to skip, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to skip the wake, mm. but yeah, southern formalities, yeah, you have to greet the guests. I was a mess. Like, I remember feeling like a mess. Like, I couldn't, in terms of, like, clothes to where I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I was just, I was clothed. Things were covered. Yeah, I wasn't naked. <laughs> but, but other than that, I don't remember. Like, yeah, it was very troublesome in terms of that. It's incredible some of the formalities around things like weddings and funerals, mm-hmm. where it's like there are these traditions that we cling to. And, like, originally the traditions 
had a specific intention of like supporting the grieving family. Right. And then I think sometimes when we cling to those traditions, it becomes more about going through the motions than Mm -hmm. anything else. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it can end up being more of a burden. Again, back to that same thing where you're like managing the grief of the other people when that was not the original intention of like togetherness. Mm -hmm. Really interesting because when my dad died, we didn't, um, we didn't hold any kind of service for him. Mm -hmm. And I missed that. Mm. Like it it was Mm. interesting and I don't know that I could have. I'm sure if I'd had to handle it emotionally, I could have. I don't know that I... I mean, I didn't want to deal with it, which is why we didn't deal with it. Mm. But um, I didn't get to have that experience mm-hmm. of seeing other people's grief. Right. Which I think it's one of those double-edged things where it mm-hmm. can be soothing, mm-hmm. but also amplifying. Mm-hmm. Because it reminds you of like the, the magnitude of what you've lost. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. For other family members, you know, like his mother actually, um, you know, people would go by her house, but we were buying so much food and then people were complaining about the food and people were asking, oh, what size shoe did she wear? And oh, what happened to that mink coat that she had? And oh, what are you going to do with the curtains? And I'm not a violent person by any means. I'm very, I'm very much not. My, I remember my dad and my aunt and sister had to be like, you just go, just don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And I was like, are you all serious? Like, the good sis is not even the ground. Like, those are the types of things that, you know, really bring out something yeah. in you while you're trying to deal with your your stuff it, it's well because there's not only the grief Ooh. but there's also the rage yes like and I think that anyone that has lost someone that tells you there's not rage is lying because I don't so care much. how you lose somebody so much yeah I mean it's just and it's not even and that's the thing that you're talking about it's like it's not necessarily directed at those people but it's it it's got to kind of be pointed somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. And you're going to be, like, angry at God, or you're yeah. going to be, like, angry at the person who's asking about the mink coat. Right. And, like, I will take your head off. Right. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you go through a lot of anger when you lost your dad? I did. Um, there, I didn't understand. I Also, for added context, this... 2015, we're, in terms of timeline, we're coming off the heels of Mike Brown, we're coming off the heels of Eric Gardner, we're coming off of a lot of publicized um, police brutality that led to the killings of black men around my father's age. And that just adds on because of collectivism within the black community um, in the African diaspora I would say it adds on yeah. and even now I, I still deal with those things because people are people <laughs> and people are people and you just so there, there was already grief and loss 
felt. There's so much collective grief and loss and rage. Yes. I mean, hundreds of years of rage. Right. (laughs) Like. Right. Exactly. And then to, then it to be like, sort of like your turn. But not, definitely not within the same context. It's like your turn to lose. Um, and so there, there was a lot of anger. Um, I stopped praying. I couldn't, I don't I didn't go to church. Um, and I stopped feeling bad about not going to church. Mm. I was, I didn't want, I was, I didn't want people to touch me. I didn't want comfort in that way I needed to really deal with those things that I was feeling mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. lots of anger yeah. and it might have been translated in going to brunch and drinking like 11 mimosas yeah and I'm just gonna live that brunch life exactly and um, dealing with people in sexual relationships that weren't good for me Um, yeah, so it was anger, but it can yeah. come out in so many different ways. Yeah. So many different ways. I can't imagine, like, as a white woman, I've really had the privilege mm-hmm. of not being deeply affected by mm-hmm. the senseless death of mm-hmm. Insert every single color, name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indigenous, you know. Yes. Until like really recently I'm becoming so much more present to it and I you know like having gone through I've lost a lot of people Mm -hmm. close to me in my life Mm -hmm. and having gone through that like deep personal grief I cannot begin to imagine what it's like to have then also that collective Mm -hmm. so powerfully present for you Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. there you know you're saying earlier about having sometimes come from a place of authority and feel like you know what you're speaking about mm-hmm. and when you were saying that it really resonates for me because it's only recently that I've begun to understand that there is this whole realm of experience that comes with not being white mm. that I have just not been tuned into mm. you know mm-hmm. and there's no way I mean you don't know what you don't know right until you know and then you're just like oh my god I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. for my years of ignorance or for the things that I've said unintentionally that Mm -hmm. have minimized or hurt other people and so I'm glad that's coming up yeah it it's good to to know um I think I I saw a tweet I love twitter um (laughs) someone said you know I hope you all are taking notice of black people's turning to astrology, mm-hmm. to the use of um, crystals, to, you know, this might be controversial, going to a, a vegan or plant-based diet, um, you know, growing their own food, you know, that's evolution. Yeah. And it's, and, you know, and turning to African spirituality and sort of breaking free of certain things and certain molds. Um, They called it evolution. And that was very powerful. I'm paraphrasing the tweet, but it was very powerful because I was like, 
I did that. <laughs> I did that. I evolved. Ooh, I did. Um, but it's, it is so, so people saying self-care more, people talking about mental health more, um, you know, there, I see change happening even from 2014. Our society has, has changed so much. Yeah. Um, and it's, I notice myself being anxious um, when I don't hear from people. So we're texting, like, oh, I'm going to drive. I'll text you when I get there. Oh. I don't hear from them. I will call 47 times. I've called my mom 47 times. And she said, you need to get that. You need to talk to someone about that. And it's because I've seen video after video after video of someone reaching for their license or someone getting pulled over or this or police doing this or da 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 People calling the police on other, senselessly, which is quote unquote the new thing, the oh. new viral video, which is not new. It's just we have video of people being so ridiculous. All these like someone sitting in their common room in their right. dorm and gets like and going to sleep and- like. All of these things, it really puts you even more on alert. Every black child has that conversation with their parent. I don't walk into stores at all with my pocket, hands in my pocket at all. I don't. Did you hear that? She does not walk into stores at all with her hands in her pockets. I just want to make sure everybody listening heard that. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't. I'm 25 years old. I live in arguably one of the most progressive cities, arguably. Ugh. Arguably. And I don't, no matter where, it's a lesson that my mom taught me. I was in elementary school. Do not walk into stores with your hand in your pocket. Don't really use your pockets. I love pockets. I think they're great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mm. every black child, my children will get the same I mean, the way we're going, they're going to have to get that same conversation. Right. Well, hopefully by the time, I mean, I guess that's and like a real reach to be like, hopefully by the time you have kids, everything's going to be better. Right, right. I mean, from our mouths to God, goddesses, yeah. ears. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this constant, it's like a constant low-grade yes. anxiety yes. that the people that you love are going to be senselessly murdered in the street. Right. For? For existing existing and there will not be a reason and there will be no justice and there will be no justice and no one held accountable and things will not change and we will continue to march and scream and cry and i don't know what else yes and that's terrifying yeah um and compound that too with me too yeah (laughs) and so you just have Ah. this this <laughs> constant I think James Baldwin said it best to be to be Negro in America and conscious is to be in a conscious consistent or constant state of rage mm. and I, I might be misquoting that but I it just it's always in the back of your mind whether I'm at the office whether I'm on the train whether it's people that I'm talking to, worried about them, even entering into romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to balance the new age, oh, she's so clingy, with, I'm actually worried about your safety. Yeah. 
Like, you this know, isn't normal, this could like, be cleanliness. Yeah, this is like this is text me when you get home. I'm worried about your bodily safety. Yeah. <sighs> so my mom has her location on now, and she has mine. Even on my way over here, she was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And I knew that was code for. I see that you're <laughs> not on your way home from your office. Where are you going right now? Where you're in a different borough. I don't know what this street is. So where are you going? Um, Sweet mama. Yeah, but it's it's those things that you know full circle with the grief, with the transformation, with being a young woman, you know, in her twenties, wanting to travel and get ahead in your career. It's something that you're always you're always thinking about. Mm. I've been waking up recently to my own experiences of oppression within mm-hmm. the patriarchy, and mm-hmm. I mean that's really what has got me looking at internalized racism so mm-hmm. much more because I am starting to understand that like all the ways that I've experienced oppression from mostly white men mm-hmm. and then the structures in society right. that not educating myself about what I'm experiencing has then led to me you know kind of like turning around and mirroring that experience unconsciously mm-hmm. towards people of color mm-hmm. those same methods of oppression yeah which is just mortifying yeah when you start to wake up to it and you were sharing the James Baldwin quote and the quote that came to my mind is like a bumper sticker quote I don't know (laughs) it wasn't James Baldwin but like on some bumper sticker somewhere and that thing that says if you're not outraged then you're not paying attention yes and it's so interesting to me because that I think what's happening right now is that people who aren't directly affected, more and more white people, are starting to pay attention Mm -hmm. and to be like, wait a minute, we have a problem here. And people of color are like, no fucking shit, we have a problem here. (laughs) We've been screaming this since we were born. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's just such an interesting moment, Mm -hmm. especially because Me Too is so linked in. Like, you can't have have feminism. I mean... White lady feminism is its own whole thing. And you can't just have that without addressing all these other issues. And Me Too was started by a black woman. Of course it was. And everything good in the world was started by a black woman. (laughs) I need a t-shirt that says that. I need a t-shirt that says that. We both need t-shirts that say that. We'll make them, yeah. And to see the... I think people are being more conscious about not erasing her work because she did start it. Um, I believe it was a white woman who started it on Twitter, like uh, sort of revamped, quote unquote. Um, I can't think of better words than revamped, but um, it's rebranded. Rebranded, sure. (laughs) That that with the white lady branding on it. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think though, I think everyone who said me too. And everyone who hasn't said me too, but could have and said it eternally, internally, um, is valid. And I think it's an experience that shows how much our country hates women. Mm, yeah. um, and also, um, I'd just like to add the spiciness that this country also hates kids, especially poor kids. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting time. Um, people are also... There's another, there was a study about, um, that followed kids who grew up with LGBTQ plus parents. They did a longitudinal study. I think it's 
30 years ago they started this and you know now they're looking at the longitude because it's been a long time they can look at the results oh they're fine well yeah, I mean yeah they're okay because <laughs> they have people that love loving them. parents imagine that whoa like it's very wild we don't know but a lot of other studies that started in the 90s and late 80s are now you know they have their collected 25 plus years of data so now we can analyze all of that and prove what people of color black people um women whoever have been saying mm-hmm. now wow, now like looking at health outcomes exactly and- now we can say this this is valid, and I, now I have a research article to back it up. Yeah, look at the look at the science research that we have that yeah. proves mm-hmm. that racism is harmful. Right, <laughs> On literally a to physical, physical bodily yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get my blood pressure checked, and I'm very proud that it's not high. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's something that I am. It's I and going back to even like with my dad like um my family has a history of heart health issues and you know my dad being so young he was 52 and had already had two heart attacks um you know born in 1962 in virginia so (laughs) you can fill in whatever blanks you want to fill in there um my mom also had heart issues um she's working on them um but that's both my dad's parents passed away from congestive heart failure. And then 2008, I was diagnosed with a leaky tricuspid valve. So one of my valves doesn't close all the way, which makes my heart work harder. Um, and humidity does not help <laughs> breathing and things. It's very humid here today. Right. Oh, and Alexandria is about to walk in. Hello. Hi. We're recording hi. a podcast. You want to say hi to the people? <laughs> Hi, people. <laughs> That's Alexandria. She's living with me right now. <laughs> she looks super cute today. Thank you. Don't want to interrupt. <laughs> you guys look nice. Thank you. Oh, God, isn't she adorable? Yes. I, when I was at Duke, mm-hmm. I had a work-study job that instead of, like, working in the library or whatever, I got to teach dance at Walltown Children's Theater, so right off campus, and when I was, like, 21, Alexandria was, like, 12, (gasps) and she was my student. Oh, my gosh. And now she's living here for, like, a month and a half. No, that's maybe a month. I don't know. She's here now, and it's, like, so fun for me. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's so beautiful. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know how you guys will feel about that little interruption, but I'm not going to edit it out. Right. It's color. Yes. I like it. Yeah. Great. So, it's been three years. Three years. And how much do you miss your dad? Um, there are days, it's not a day that I don't think about him. I have his picture um, up, but I, there are days where, I know I'm trying to get my story together. So there was a day I was really stressed out at work, trying to get just stressed. And I picked up the phone to call him. Mm-hmm. And that happened in February. And I said, you are unwell and you must take a mental health day. Because that's very wild. That almost three years later and you almost picked up the phone to call. That's how I knew I, I had gotten to a point where you were stressed beyond 
quote unquote what you can handle and push to the side mm-hmm. um I miss him too I just want to talk to him uh there's not anything I wouldn't pay to have one more phone conversation with him yeah um catch up and laugh but that feeling yeah yeah but we laugh in my dreams so visualization and meditation very social work <laughs> but you it, call him into your meditative space i so i did a visualization exercise um at the duke health student health center global health can't remember what it's called um and i use that same um exercise to also meditate and my place that I go in my mind is a mixture of like a jungle beach type thing Mm. um and I visualize the waves and that the waves are my breath Mm -hmm. that's how I study my breath study my breath and I meet on that beach god I meet on that beach my dad Mm -hmm. grandmothers um anybody and that's where that's where I go to really get in touch with their voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you do that intentionally. Yes, it's something it's taken me a while to open up to having kind mm-hmm. of a direct communication with my dad and mm-hmm. with other people that I've lost. Yeah. Um, but more and more, I'm feeling called to ground into this more like ancestral knowledge Mm -hmm. and I'm like the only way to do that is going to be through direct communication right with those who came before right right you know yeah on that intuitive level yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. it's a hard thing yeah Yeah. because it's also a place you can go to say goodbye yeah yeah Mm -hmm. did you guys get to have a goodbye you and your dad sort of I drove from Georgia <laughs> to New Jersey mm-hmm. um, a week ago today, three mm-hmm. years ago, and we surprised him, me and my brother, um, because I, I was coming to look for apartments and trying to figure the New York real estate market. I thought apartments would be there for three months but they are there for three days yeah New and York real gone. estate is the craziest it's very wild. apartment hunting here is like nothing else no yeah it's very wild so um my southern self just had no idea <laughs> um but so that was the reason for the for the visit but um I also wanted to see him because I hadn't seen him since graduation mm-hmm. and so my brother and I visited um and you know, we were all there. My stepmom, my brother, my aunt, uncle, my brother, me. And, you know, everyone said their goodbyes. Just to say goodbye, you know, see you later, goodbyes. Um, and I gave him a hug. He gave me a kiss on my cheek that I still feel. And I walked out. And I went back. And I got an extra hug. And I still feel that hug. Because we both both knew. And um, 
is a some sort of piece. I called him as I drove back. He wasn't up to talking. So my aunt and I were just talking. They had me on speakerphone and then Three days later, you know, I got the call. So we we had our moment, and I'm so thankful that I listened to that thing yeah. down. Because how many times do we not? And it's happened before. Mm -hmm. um, funny enough, when I lost my paternal grandmother, so his mom. I went back for another hug and uh, a week later she was gone so you know you gotta watch out when Sharanda comes back know, for another hug right. like, no. two hugs I don't know I don't know my I don't know mm. um and I'm and she smiled at me and I smiled at her and um and exactly a week later she was gone and so yeah the second hugs We always have that. I'm so glad you got that. Yeah, me it's too. so precious. Me too. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So I have a couple of questions that I normally end with. Do you have anything else that's really present for you that you'd like to say before we kind of wrap up? We've kind of been. <laughs> We haven't been like linear at right, all in this right. conversation, which is great. I'm fine with that. But yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything else for you that you'd like to share about your dad or um, about anything we've talked about. I'm trying to think. I love telling stories. I'm trying to think of a good story that would sort of display. Oh, I love that. His personality. Um, <laughs> probably the one that the one that's coming up in my mind. Um, I'm like, tell that one. I know, I know, but it's so bad. Okay, so, um, my I have two stepbrothers, and one has two sons. A third one on the way. Oh. Um, and they call you Aunt Randy. They call me Auntie C or okay. Sharanda or Hey You. I don't get to see them that much. If but... you're my aunt, I will call you Aunt Randy. Okay, I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna slide that name suggestion. If to that's them. okay, absolutely. I'm I'm gonna slide that name suggestion to them. Um, that's a good one. Um, and the older one, he is in tenth grade now. He was in eighth grade, I want to say, seventh. He wasn't taking school seriously. And anytime he would visit my dad and my stepmom, it would be math worksheets. Like, you, you're on Christmas break. We don't care. Like, you're going to get this. You're going to get your academics together. Um, which is... So I told you about my mom. <laughs> so my dad, like, got me into Duke and Columbia. So, you know, it's all good. But Yeah, there's priorities right. in your family. It's very clear. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but he was not, he was, like, failing a class, which we just, no, no, sir. Um, so my dad drove from New Jersey, and they live in Pennsylvania. He drove to Pennsylvania. 
and was waiting for my nephew after school and said, picked him up and they went somewhere. And he had cinder blocks in the back of his car. Oh my God, what did he do? He made my nephew hold the cinder blocks out <laughs> and said, do you feel the weight? And he was like, yes, I feel it. He's like, that's the burden that you're placing on us because we are giving you all the resources that you need, but you are not taking it seriously. Um, he was like, hold them up, keep them up, keep them up. This is where the military comes out, right? This is brilliant. Right. <laughs> he was like, my arms and my nephew, we call him Sticks because his knees are bigger than the width of his... <laughs> He's so scotty. Um... So he was just, his little noodle arms were just struggling. But my dad, he he would give you the visual. He would give you the visual. Yeah, and, let and me make it real for you. Right, right. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, mm, as a social worker, do I need to file paperwork? Yeah. Now, like, like retrospectively, but like, yeah. Oh. But it was just a funny, to me, I was cracking up. I couldn't believe that he had put cinder blocks in his trunk and drove to Pennsylvania because my nephew was failing math. My, yeah, my nephew was failing math, but he cared. He did care a lot to he show cared. up like that. Picked him up from school. So I bet your nephew will never forget that. Oh, absolutely not. And if he has, I'll remind him. Forever. <laughs> Forever. I'm like, he'll be doing that to his kids someday. Yes. His kids will be failing some class and he'll be like... Listen, you think this is bad? You don't. You have no idea. Don't make me get the cinder block. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> sweet dad. Yeah, a little wild, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So now I'm going to invite you to close your eyes again. Okay. Take a couple deep breaths. And think about feel into. Three years ago today, and the moment you got that phone call, and everything that you have been through since that moment, all that grief you've processed, and all of the joy that you've brought into your life. just really allow yourself to come here now to right where you are and when you feel fully present in your body to share with me in one word how you're feeling here I love that mm -hmm. here alive yes here, here, alive, present, on earth, yeah, day in and day out, day in and day <laughs> doing out, doing the motherfucking thing, right. <laughs> all that nasty stuff, and all, yes. humidity, humidity, everything, and the last question, yes, if you could go back to three years ago today, mm -hmm. and speak directly into your own ear, yeah, what would you say? If you thought 
had tested your strength, you're really going to see how strong you are. Mm. Yeah. It's simultaneously the most heartbreaking mm-hmm. and the fiercest yeah. feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like, you haven't seen anything yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, world. <laughs> right, right. Here we go. Yeah. Now you're applying the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much thank you for so talking much. to me. Absolutely. It's been such a gift. Thank you. It's been such a gift for me, too. Do you want to say anything to these people before we go? Um, take care. Mm-hmm. And you are just getting started. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. And this is now, we just ended on such an uplifting note, but I'm going to end on a downer okay. of a note. Because I would like everyone to be aware that it's July 23rd, the day we're recording this. And maybe you're like me and you haven't been that tuned into the news because it hasn't affected you directly. However, last night, an 18-year-old woman named Nia Wilson was attacked (laughs) on a public transit platform in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And a white man, John Cowell, approached she and her sister. And this white man slit this woman's throat on a subway platform, essentially. I mean, it's not the subway because it's not New York, but Mm -hmm. her name is Nia Wilson, And I would invite everybody out there listening to take just a moment or two and think about an 18-year-old woman, 18-year-old woman that you love in your life and imagine just for a second that we live in a world where someone could just walk up to her and slit her throat because that is the world that we live in right now. And it's... Is there a word for it? I don't have a word for it. It's unconscionable. Yes. Um, But also... Conscionable for some. Yeah. Yeah. Believable, but also unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Believable and completely unbelievable at the same time. Dystopian. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So... I don't normally end the podcast on such a grim <laughs> note, but that's the note that mm-hmm. we're on today. All right. So, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And talk to you soon. Bye.